Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coming up on today's episode, we recap the Jets' Game 3 OT loss to Vegas, look ahead to Game 4, and break down the impact of Josh Morrissey's series-ending injury. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. Wow. Yeah, plenty to get into after one of the wildest playoff games we've seen in some time here in Winnipeg. Unfortunately, did not go the Winnipeg Jets way at all. Pretty much disastrous, if we're being totally honest here. But we'll see if we can find a bit of positives and if there's anything we can look forward to heading into Game 4 after that wild, wild, wild 5-4 Vegas victory to take a 2-1 series lead. Joining me once again to break it all down, CJOB's Tyson Rewicki. Tyson, tough one, but how are we doing on a Sunday morning? You know personally i'm doing very well on a sunday you know tyson's I, uh, having a great weekend i don't, I don't think anybody nobody really cares but they things are going good for tyson right now i know i had a great weekend and like, we'll just start it off with so i was working the spanish broadcast they sent in their their spanish yeah, get, get, this, yeah. And, and this is not a joke by the way tyson legitimately worked and hilariously commentated on air for the Vegas Golden Knights Spanish broadcast. So, like, what, how, how what and how? <laughs> well, me, so the guy's name's Hazel, Jesus Lopez, and he's one of the coolest oh, guys. Yeah. He's one of the nicest guys. If you, I, I know Jets fans probably don't want to listen to this call right away, but if you can muster up the, the courage to listen to his, to his goal, OT goal call yesterday, it is one of the most electric goal calls of all time. He is go, he goes full on soccer. He even brings his own compressor so that when he goes and does the <laughs> soccer call, the mics don't get too hot. So he's oh, wow. he's he's completely ready for it. And we were we were chatting earlier just before the game about the there was the big Javante Davis Ryan Garcia boxing match last night. And uh, he he got a start in boxing. He called a couple Canelo fights. And so he was talking to me and he's like, you know what? When when there's a when there's a hockey fight, I treat it just like I'm calling a boxing match. And of course, literally in the first minute we get a fight. <laughs> And he's standing up there. He's rolling the shoulders. He's shadow boxing. He's he's going crazy in the first minute. It was it's all it was just a crazy sight to see. And then 
he's still he's still learning a lot of a couple of like the in and outs of hockey. There's a couple of things he doesn't totally grasp yet. He's still like he's only been doing it for a year and a half, which is pretty crazy to think about. And he, and he brought me on. He was like, what, "What's happening here?" Because it was the one time, especially was the the when Vegas had a delay or the Jets had a delayed penalty and Vegas pulled their goalie for the extra attacker. He was he he did he thought that they were just pulling the goalie without with with no regard for the other team for the other team scoring, but he didn't quite understand that when there's a delayed penalty, you know, obviously everyone listening knows that you pull the goalie to get the extra attacker because you because it doesn't matter. Well, as soon as the other team touches the puck, plays dead. And so explaining that stuff to him, and he was he was just a honestly he was one of the coolest guys I've ever worked with in my life. Just a just such a genuine guy, and he. He loves calling sports. He's a he's a great guy. If you if you can listen to any of his goal calls, I highly recommend it. You will. It's it's tops the I I forget I, I can't remember who scored, um, but it tops that finished goal call, uh, when San Jose played Pittsburgh in the Stanley Cup Finals. Oh right, yeah, that was uh Donskoy. Yes, right. It it, it tops Donskoy's goal by a mile, and, I, and it's not close. And That's... yeah, it was just it was such a cool experience, and, and uh, just a great guy too. That's so funny. I mean, just like we all predicted, you would get your start on Spanish broadcasting. So <laughs> yes, your, your career path is... <laughs> yeah, so so that, that makes total sense there. Um, but yeah, that, that's a wild one. That, that's yeah, good for you. That's awesome. Um, again, unfortunately, people aren't going to care too much today <laughs> because <laughs> it was a devastator. Like that was that was a heartbreaker for, for the Jets. I, I mean, on numerous different avenues right um and there's so much to get into in this game i mean it's tough to figure out where to start honestly because i mean there's a lot more that's going to impact this series as we all know than just the loss in overtime um but i guess i guess we should start with just i mean let's start on a bit of a positive note with the absolute insanity that was the third period because that that game was done over finish it just it looked like the jets were going to just kind of cruise control their way to a multi-goal loss in disappointing fashion on home ice <laughs> then just one shot from nino niederreiter completely changed the complexion of the game and it was game on from that and you know you you just knew that this just because it was a two-goal deficit didn't mean that it was over and done with. And it, you could just feel it was wild how you could just feel it either in the arena or watching at home that, hey, this is this is going to be a bit of a different one. And the 40 minutes got washed away pretty quickly. And we saw a comeback for the ages by the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah. And like you said, the, the tides just completely turned as soon as Nino Niederreiter scored that goal. And, you know, even there's one guy who we've kind of been harping on a little bit these past couple of games. And you know what? He didn't have a great first two periods. But we got to give credit where credit is due. And I thought Mark Scheifele played a hell of a third period. I thought that, and going into the third period too, it was again, zero hits for the for Mark Scheifele. And obviously hits aren't the end-all be-all for when you're trying to determine how a guy's playing in, in a series and in a game. But he wasn't too much of a factor in those first two periods. But once the third came around, I thought he completely changed his game. He was a lot more physical on the puck. And then even to come back on that third goal where he kind of he, he lost the handle on the puck on the power play and the boo birds start to come out a little bit there. There's only six minutes, five minutes left in the game. And then he comes out, rips a shot there to, to bring it with, to within one. And as soon as that, as soon as Shifley scored that goal, you knew it, they were tying it up. You, you just knew that that game was getting tied up. And 
just the atmosphere too. I thought the crowd really gave the Jets a lift. I, oh, I, I mean, I, I think 100%. I mean, you don't get a point in, in the playoffs for an OT loss. But if the Jets grabbed the win, the first star would have been the fans. Yeah. It was the, fan, the fans took over in the third period, which is like this. There are maybe three, five buildings in the NHL where they can turn the tide like that. And the I mean, here in Winnipeg is right at the top of the list because it one billion percent flipped in an instant there. And I, I think the Jets fans played a huge part in the team getting this one to overtime at the very least. I mean, it's kind of a consolation prize. Nobody cares. But man, oh, man, there is just there. there is nothing like a Winnipeg Jets home playoff game. I've Not seen good. them in other places. It, it's just it's different here. And Vegas felt that in a big, big way. And they were I mean, I don't want to say they were lucky to get out of this with the win because they outplayed the Jets for the majority of the game. But they, they were lucky they didn't blow this one in spectacular fashion. Yeah, hundred percent, and and you have to think too. I mean, we'll we'll touch on this more after, but that Josh Morrissey injury is just the trickle. Not going looking too far into the series, but just the trickle down effect from that game, having five D men going into a double yeah. overtime game. Yeah, we'll we'll just, get to that a little bit later on for sure. Right, and just like there was a lot of things going against the Jets, and you know, it's just to see them come back in that fashion. It, it it does inspire some hope going into the game that there's there's a lot of fight in this team still. That this this team isn't one that's just going to roll over and 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 die when when the going gets tough. And that was some of the questions that we had coming into the playoffs with this team over the past couple months. And they they show that we're here. We're here, we're here to compete. And it's a shame. It's really a shame because I thought in the in the first overtime the Jets kind of outplayed the the Knights for the most part. It was more of a closer period, but I thought the Jets kind of controlled the first overtime a little bit more. And it's just Dylan Sandberg, who's had a great I thought he I thought he's had a great series so far. And it's just an unlucky you could say it's an unlucky bounce. It's he probably forced that pass a little bit too. But to go off his skate on the on the the puck's on its side and the Amadio just hits it in the perfect spot and it goes by it. it, it it's it's, just, it's I I don't know. I thought it was unlucky. I mean Pete People are going to rail on him because the result that that happens there to cost the Jets. The, but like, come on. I, I, and it's funny because I think he was initially going to go down the boards, but there was the ref right there. And I think in a split second, he's like, well, I don't want to rim it because funny enough, if it hits the ref, it might bounce out into the middle of the ice. Yeah. And it's it's not like he ripped one up the middle. No luck back end. Right. Like, right. I don't know. It just it sucks. It's it's a it's a. I guess technically it's a mistake, but I, I I don't I don't really fault him all that much for it. It was just the most brutal of all bounces that it you know not only hits him ricochets into the middle, but does so immediately onto Amadio's stick, who doesn't even think to just right like instinct bang bang bar down and it's game over there. That's that's a that, yeah, it's just a dagger. I do I mean since you brought it up here, I guess we'll talk about it. I mean it it, it was a brutal bounce there for the Jets. But he got to love Rick Bonus post game sticking up for his young guy there, saying, "Look, we we didn't get there if it wasn't for you, right?" I, I love I love the way he handled the the, the post game reaction to that. I mean, look, there's I don't know if Torts would have went that way. Like, there's some coaches that might have buried the kid, but uh, to kind of you know put an arm around his shoulder there, I I I really like the way Rick Bonus handled that post game and saying, "Yeah, you know what? Especially with Morrissey out." You know, whether he truly believed it or not, I, I do think he did. We got to lean on this kid. Like, he's going to be playing 
well over 20 minutes a night for us <laughs> moving forward the rest of the way here. So let's let's give him an arm around the shoulder and, and, and try to get him mentally in a good spot, hit it into what is borderline a, a must-win game for there. Um, and uh, just a quick shout-out, too, to Dylan DeMello, too, right after that goal. He's... I could yeah to do to do that right after an overtime goal and go up to your teammate and say hey man don't worry about it like that's it's that's unlucky like that shows that shows that the, the that this Jets team really does truly care about each other you know what I mean like this is this is a tight team and even though they had some hardships throughout the season you know it, it, like when it's your when it's your family and your brothers too like when when you guys are like when things are going good things are going great but things can go bad and it doesn't necessarily mean that you hate each other right. So I just think that the camaraderie on this team and just this team's got a lot of veteran leadership. And if there if there are some substantial changes this year, I think that the Jets are still in a really good place. And just this playoff run, you know, I, to, to be honest, with how the season's gone, this playoff run has really in, reinforced some of my beliefs. So about like the the building blocks of this team and the base that this team can have going into next year. You know, it, 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 <laughs> the way, it's funny. The way we're talking about this, you would think the Jets won the game. I, I, maybe we're putting too much of a positive spin on this. Um, not that I disagree with you there, Tyson. I, and, and I, I yeah, I mean, they, they handled it well. Um, but that's kind of the positive side of, of looking at this one. The, um, the negative side, and really it's, it's almost easy to forget because of how insane that third period comeback was, is that... This team laid a massive turd through 40 minutes. Like, really, really disappointing that they needed that kind of a comeback to get into this one. Um, and, and, you I mean, you mentioned potential changes this this offseason and things like that. I mean, yeah, there's building blocks that, that are here and are going to be here for a long time. But there's also players that might need to be moved out um, if, if this team flames out in the first round here. It, it, it's It's remarkable. How this team could go from domination in game one, you know, playing hard in a, in a, in a close-fought game but losing it in game two, to game three where it's like, what what the hell is going on here? Like, where where's the team that showed up in Vegas? When you have the madness of the fan base behind you to start, what did they have? Nine shots? Twelve ten, shots? Ten through, ten through two. Ten through two. 10 shots through two periods. Like, oh, man. That was, to me, probably more frustrating than losing the game in double OT is the fact that you have this built on a silver platter for you to take advantage of a Golden Knight squad, and you borderline, the Top Guns borderline just don't show up and don't deliver the same effort that they did out there in Vegas. I, I like, And again, if this, is, this is what this team is like. How does this happen? Like, how do you play so inconsistently from game to game where you look like a world beater one night and you're struggling to create any kind of offense and be competitive the other? Right. And we, and we mentioned the fans really kind of building the Jets up in that third period, but it shouldn't have to get to that point, right? Like, the like they Jets should be riding the wave of the crowd throughout that whole game. And in the first two periods, it was just... I got, there was a Keegan Colazar hit to start the game, which was a monster hit. Like it, it was probably pretty late. Like I'll admit, it probably should have been an interference call, but just a absolute Richter scale hit. And for Brandon Dillon to kind of get the crowd fired up, and that's that's kind of what I took from it too. Was just the response after the fight. Like I, I, I to me, I don't get how you don't come out guns blazing right after that. Right after that shift, it's it, it's something where you need to keep building 
off the off your good performances and you can't rest on your laurels, right? And I feel yeah, like and like, but how does that happen? Like, why do they always do that? I know, and that's and that's, I, I, I mean, if I guess if we knew and could fix it, I mean, one, we'd be coaches in the NHL, but two, <laughs> like, we wouldn't be talking about this. It, it's oh man, it, it is maddening. And I mean, you mentioned too in the third period comeback, like, I mean, while everything's pumping and, and the building's going, like, yeah, the Boobirds came out for Mark Shifley. Who mishandled the puck at the at the blue line? There it comes out, and then funnily enough, mishandles it again. And if he didn't whiff on the pass, like that goal doesn't happen. Vegas goes the other way, but the mistake leads to a fortunate outcome there for the Jets. I mean, he's again. Whenever things go south, it, you know, Shifley is the lightning rod. Fair or unfair? I I mean, I I think it's kind of fair when you mentioned it before, Tyson. No hits in game two. Subpar performance there. And then a similar thing happens in game three. Like he's, he's, I, and I've said this before, like he may not be the captain anymore. He wears a letter and, you know, maybe Morrissey and, and Lowry are kind of the soul of this team. But I have always felt like the, when, when Shifley goes, the Jets go. And if he's on top of it and all over the place, this club seems to follow his lead. And, and when he's not doing that, it, it, it's a tough watch. And, Again, you're putting all your eggs into the basket through 40 minutes with that Shifley Dubois Connor line, and they don't deliver with no Nikolai Ehlers and no Morrissey on top of it, too. There's just no offense to be generated there. And they quite frankly just need a hell of a lot more. They they need way more from from you know Shifley and, and Dubois, who we'll get to in just a second. But it, pretty disappointing to see your quote unquote leaders up front there just not carrying the mail whatsoever in back-to-back really important games. Yeah, and and this is almost kind of reading between the lines a little bit. I wasn't able to catch um, the post-game interviews yesterday, so I'm not exactly sure who spoke. But going back to that game two against Vegas, he, you would think that it was a regular season game that they just lost. Like, it wasn't like that they that they had a lead in Vegas to go up potentially 2-0, and you kind of you let your foot off the gas in the third period. And you'd think that they just lost... Uh, you know, like they dominated a game and lost three three one because of a goalie, and it's just I don't get the sense of urgency from them. It's it's okay to it's okay in the regular season to be like you know what we we got to look forward to the next game we got to look forward to the next game in the playoffs. Yeah, you do have to look forward to the next game, but you got to take care of your business. Like when yeah. when there's not happening. too many of those left. There's there's not thirty more left, right? You got, yeah, you could you could potentially only have two more games left, and so you need. That urgency, you don't need this. Well, we'll get them next game. You know, we'll, we'll, it'll work out for us next game. We'll get a couple more bounces. Like that's not going to cut it in the playoffs. And Vegas right now, they smell blood in the water. And they, you need your best players to really step up to the front game four and tie this series up because otherwise it's done. This, like, if you lose game three, there's no way. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, you mean game four? Yeah, sorry. If you lose game four, there's no way. I don't see a comeback coming here. And it's unfortunate, but. With no I mean, that's Morrissey. fair. That's fair. It's fair with no Morrissey, right? And yeah. I mean, Ehlers is uncertain stat. Yeah, like it's Hus uh, Andrew Hustler Patterson always kind of does the. It's it's not a it's not a must win, but it's a can't lose. Um, <laughs> it might be a must win game game four. It's gonna be it's gonna be tough to go three straight against a Golden Knight squad that's seeming to find their footing after a rough one. And on Vegas' side of things, right? Like, I mean, Eichel face the same amount of criticism that, that Mark Shifley's facing right now. And what has he done? He's carried the mail for them. Game two, game three. 
And I mean, he was the one that that got it going and had them, you know, pretty much guaranteed to win that game before a collapse in the third there. So Eichel stepped up, no doubt about it. Stone has stepped up, no doubt about it. It's it's time we get a Mark Shifley game. And uh, let's hope it's game four and not, you know, backs against the wall, need everything to go our way in game five there. Um, but Shifley is just, you know, one guy that's wearing the goat horns right now, the other. And for completely different reasons too. But man, oh man, the, the PLD experience is... It's a roller coaster. It's, it's, yeah, it's just like, man, compose yourself. Like, just can we get a can we get a slice of composure? It's so frustrating. I mean, he's when he's on, he's a force, and it's in with like it's almost never an effort thing with with Dubois, right? Like he's especially in the play, like, he's been pretty engaged throughout, and so it's like one of those things that's tough because it's like don't turn it off. But at the same time, like you, you, you gotta keep your head on straight. And he, ta- it's funny because he, the best penalty he's ever taken <laughs> happened at the end of the third period. There, you know, saved the game for the Jets. And even though it didn't lead to the game-winning goal directly, it, it happened shortly thereafter. It puts the Jets in a tough spot. You, you, you can't take that penalty against Mark Stone. Like it's just, it's so dumb. It's so dumb. And it's the. It's the good and the bad with PLD, and we saw it. We've seen it so far this series. But man, like, just you, you cannot have a guy that you're leaning on so heavily for offense take these ridiculous penalties like he did in the second overtime period to kick things off. There, just kind of you know, when when everything's going your way, finally, you do something like that, and it's it's just really really tough to overcome. And he's just got to figure it out. It's not on anybody else. It's just like find a way. To, to keep things in between the lines and you're going to be a big, big impact for this team. Well, and two on that penalty, if, if he doesn't, if Mark Stone ends up leaving the game, you're possibly seeing a suspension. And at this point with this, with the way the injuries have gone for the Jets so far, you cannot lose any other key contributor to this team right now. And that's, it's just, yeah, like, like you said, it's drawing a fine line and we've made this comparison numerous times here, but it just, it's the Nazem Kadri thing. Like they're both similar in, in the way that where Nazem Kadri was taking dumb penalties, dumb hits, taking himself out of the series and costing his team series. And I, I'm, we're not, I'm not going to put the blame entirely on Pierre-Luc Dubois here, but it's not helping. Like, it's not help. The team's not, the team's not uh, getting momentum off of, of some of these penalties you're taking. You're not necessarily, like, you're not standing up for your teammates. You're not taking, you're, you're not kind of being the force and kind of taking the bull by the horns. It's, it's just like you said, there's so many just like perplexing situations with this team and with certain players where it's just like, what's, what's going on? Like, it's just, I, I can't wrap my head around it. Like with, it's just so many different personalities, I guess you could say, and so many different ways of playing that these guys go through, but it like, it's go time now. We like, everyone's got to pull in the same truck and you, you guys really got to give a, a full focus 60 minutes. And I think that's a big word that this team really needs to dial in on is focus. Like this is, you can't make mistakes in the playoffs at this point, especially when you're down two one in a series with, and Vegas has home ice advantage again. You can't, you cannot be losing focus against a team like Vegas for an extended period of time. Cause they're going to, they're going to put a bunch of goals on you. Yeah. You, and I mean, you I mean, it's, it's three, three head coaches too. Like it's just on the players to figure it out. And like, it, <laughs> it's mad. Yeah. Like, I don't like why. That's just like why. And it's not even like they 
I mean, they evidenced by the comeback there. Like, they didn't quit. Like, there's tons of fight with this, but it's just long stretches of where are our heads at? And I guess that's why they're in the second wild card spot. And this is why the team has been where they have been in the past. It's just they got they got to try to figure it out here. And uh, yeah, there's no doubt about it. Like their backs are against the wall in the biggest way right now with with what took place there and losing some key guys to injury here. But the other part of it, too, that was frustrating for me, Tice, that I'll just touch on quick before we shift focus here. Um, I'm, I'm watching my little one and I'm running low on chocolate. So we got to pick up the pace a little <laughs> bit here. <laughs> but to me, Laurent Brassois was really, really shaky in that game. And they just didn't test him. Just didn't get enough. Like the whole, the whole third. And it's funny because I was texting with our old man. And in the second period, he was saying, Brassois looks out of it. Like he's just not sharp, right? He, he was fighting the puck all game long. They just didn't test him enough. And if they would have been a little sharper and a little harder on Vegas, I, I think the Jets might have been able to pull one off there in regulation. But wasn't meant to be. And, uh, yeah, they got a mountain to climb. A big, 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 big mountain to climb here. Well, I will just um, add quickly, too, that he didn't stop a single puck in warm-up. He didn't stop really? a Really? Interesting. He didn't stop a single puck in warm-up. Like, I, it was, comp- it was uh, like, that was what I noticed, too, especially in warm-up was like, whoa, Bersois does not look good yeah. today. It, that's so funny because when I used to work the games, like, I would watch the starting goal and – you can tell, like, some, like you can just tell it more than it's like, I mean, goalie is such a, a, a weirdo position, but like, if that was the case, I don't know if anybody on the Jets side of things was like, guys, let's get some bucks on the net here quickly. Uh, yeah, I, I think that was another added layer to the disappointment of the game three losses. Yeah, I, I didn't think Brassois was ready to go. They just didn't, didn't test him enough in the early goings there. Um, so, I mean, yeah, a lot of negatives, a lot of disappointments. We started off with a positive, then went negative. Let's do the positive, negative, positive sandwich here, Tyson. I mean, tying the game is is one thing, but it, I mean, Adam Adam Lowry's turned it into a cult legend here in the city. He's he's probably been this team's best player for I mean this series, but probably for like a month. He's just been a beast. He's just oh, I I love watching him play and. You know, some sometimes the production doesn't match up to the salary in the regular season, but the dude has brought it lately and he brings it come clutch time. And I thought he was fantastic again. And I mean, probably scores one of the most memorable goals of his career, even though it ends up in a loss for the team. I thought Lowry was outstanding. And I think we got to give major, major love for a guy that we've all been hard on all season long. I, I thought Neil Pionk was heroic in this game. I, I That was his best game as a Jet, no questions asked. Yep. He was so, so damn good. And this team could have just completely folded and stunk it up once Morrissey went down. And I mean, they kind of did their 40 minutes, but it wasn't it wasn't because of, of Neil Pionk or anybody on the back end there. I think the forwards let the team down in this one. But he was amazing. He was so, so good. And it kind of, you know, it's unfortunate it gets washed away here. You almost kind of wished if the Jets were going to lose this one, that it would have just been like a 5-1 stinker as opposed to a double OT log because he logs over 40 minutes and, and you kind of waste an all-timer from him. But, man, did he ever step up in a big way. He was so good, so, so good in Game 3. Yeah, I don't have much to add there because you hit it right on the head. Like, he, he played very sure good and he, and, <laughs> and, he, and he stepped up big time in, in that Morrissey absence. And he's going to have to step up again in Game 4. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, we got we to gotta get into it. I mean, what do you do? Like, what <laughs> what do you do if you're the Jets now? Morrissey's done for... 
I almost said season ending, but let's not do that just yet. Series ending injury, but it I mean it's gonna be a while, it sounds like that weeks at least that Morrissey's gonna be out here. I, I mean it's is it just what we saw in game three? That you lean on Neil Pionk as, as much as humanly possible, probably plays close to half the game, and you just hope defense by committee gets it done. I, 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 what other options do you have at this point? Yeah, the Jets? You do. I mean, the only other thing you could maybe do is roll 70, but I just don't think their decor is deep enough to roll 70 without Morrissey. Like it's, yeah, I don't think so either. And so, yeah, you're going to need Neil Pionk to step up big time. Like it's, yeah. it's a lot of minutes. I mean, you could, I think that DeMel, I, I have been, been great too, I should say. Yes, he has been. One guy I haven't been as impressed with this playoff run is Nate Schmidt. I, I don't think he's played that great. He's been, yeah. I mean, you haven't really noticed him at times. Okay. Yeah, which is which is sometimes a good thing as a defenseman. But with Josh Morrissey coming out, you need Nate Schmidt to step up and and fill that Neil Pionk role when Neil Pionk moves into the Josh Morrissey role. Like you're going to need uh, Nate Schmidt to really kind of step up and provide that secondary puck mover that, on the back end. And, I mean, we talked. I mean, it's coming back to bite him now. What like what was the biggest need of the deadline? You, you needed a D man and and. It, you were one injury away from your decor being decimated and lo and behold there it goes and yeah. you and i had mentioned this before like this has got to be a sort of a lingering injury well i i think he was i mean i don't know if this was the injury but i he was i said before the series you know if vegas gets after morrissey is he gonna finish it I, so i don't know if like that was what he's been dealing with right but it was definitely a concern and it was i mean Morrissey's the one that delivered the hit. Like it was kind of an innocuous play. It's just, you know, unfortunate that they they bang knees together there. But yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that's we talked about it for weeks, hitting before the deadline. And yeah, I mean, you don't you don't plan for your number one D man to go down, but sure would have been nice to have a safety net behind him right now, right? Um, so it's gonna be tough for the Jets to overcome your number one defenseman and arguably your number one or number two winger being out um for i mean however many games this the rest of the series goes here but as we saw throughout the game i mean some sometimes through through short bursts when responsibilities get added towards players they can elevate their games in in pretty spectacular ways so it's it, it, it's a borderline mount everest task for for this team to climb over here because morrissey does so much in generating offense from the back end but pionk if he can play like he did in game three, that's a massive boost. If Dylan Sandberg can brush aside the OT mistake there and deliver more solid play, I mean, he's been great for this team so far. And you just, you hope the forwards can kind of give you a little more on the defensive side of things. And, and Hellebuck's probably going to have to steal one to, to an extent. Like Hellebuck might need to only give up one in this game. Um, and, and maybe in the rest of the games moving forward here. So it's just... Some, sometimes we see it all the time. Guys go down. Everyone's like, how is the team going to overcome? But everybody steps up. And that's just going to have to be the way it goes over the next couple of games here. So we'll, we'll, we'll see if they can figure it out. But that is, as far as skaters go, that's the one guy I think the Jets couldn't afford to lose because he does so much at both ends of the ice here. So, yeah, that, that was not, that, not, 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 a fun, not a fun game three. Not, not, not the result that any of us wanted here. Um, but we'll have to get back to it. I mean, not, not too much of a rest here. The Jets will get back at it on Monday night with a borderline must-win game in Game 4 against Vegas. Do you have, before we go, Tice, do you have any any ideas on, on how this game's going to play out here? 
I'm not. I'm not even. I honestly have no idea. Yeah, <laughs> I that's fair, no <laughs> Yeah, like I mean, I thought I thought the Jets were gonna smash Vegas. I, I just like with the crowd behind them. It's like how there's just no. They're gonna blow them out of the building and start, and then they they sucked. They sucked through forty. Yes, <laughs> that's that's probably the best prediction you can make. I have no idea what the Jets are gonna do here. Um, I don't. I will say this. I don't think he's been bad, but the Jets are gonna need Hellebuck to be a lot better in Game Four. Um, I think a couple a goals. Stealer. They, they need a game stealer out of him. Yeah, that, that's that's probably it. And he's capable of it. And he's going to have to step up in a big, 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 big way. And um, be Vesna Connor Hellebuck in this one to send this one back to Vegas all tied up at two. Um, so that's pretty much it for us here, Tice. I guess quickly, I mean, that was a an amazing day of playoff hockey, pushing aside the result of the game. Um how awesome was the Toronto Tampa game? I mean, that was that that's playoff fever right there. The first ever fight between 60 goal scorers. And just like I said, I was never worried that Toronto was gonna, you know, flame out and drop this one. This um a, it's the Toronto way to uh, well, haven't they been up two one in every single series against the Lightning? I I won't look it up, but I imagine you're right. <laughs> that, that, that's, that, I imagine they've been up to one in every series they've lost so far. Uh, but it was just like the weirdest part to me was I can't remember the last time the Leafs stole a game. You know what I mean? When they've played bad and found a way to win. Right. So that's kind of where it's like, oh, maybe, like maybe <laughs> this is the year. We'll see what happens in Game Four there. But that was a beauty. The Devils stay alive for one more night. I'm still not too stressed about my Rangers. I'm back on. I'm back there. on You're the train. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. Akira Schmidt. No way. Um, and then the crack. Oh, the crack. And they tried so hard. But, man. Playoff I, playoff McKinnon, I think, might be on par with McDay. Like, he is just out of control. Some of the th- – I mean, and Seattle did their damnedest to – be competitive in that game but man i i don't know i don't think there's on the entire planet right now any team that can match up when colorado puts their best five out there to when any other team puts their best it, it's a cheat code to have mccarr mckinnon and ranton and all on the ice together at the same time and just no no answer from the crack and as they drop a 2-1 series lead there yeah and with mckinnon too there's there's some players where you watch them and they're very effective but it's not you kind of have to like really really take a close look and key on them to see how effective they can be. McKinnon is just so visibly dominant. And yeah. so like, it's just when he has the puck, you it's, you're on the edge of your seat being like, Oh, where, where is he going to rip this one from? Like, and he's just, you're right. Like it's, it's honestly on par with McDavid. He's, it's just another gear and he is, it's scary when he's coming down with a full, full head of steam. It is terrifying. And he's such a big guy too. And he, and he's willing to throw the weight around too. Like he's a he is a typical force in the NHL. Yeah, me. Yeah, I wonder if I should have picked Colorado <laughs> to go back to back. Maybe I should have picked the Avs. We'll see what happens there. Um, and then a bunch of games on Sunday here. I mean, I'm not going to watch Hurricanes Islanders. I, I've seen like two minutes of that series, and that's more than than I need to watch there. <laughs> the um, crowd is really is really good. I will give them that. Oh, the I, I love. You know why I love the Islanders crowd? Because they're just trash and they know it. Like <laughs> it's like a trailer. Like they're just like, oh yeah, baby, we're we we are we are absolute garbage and we are gonna make your lives miserable. Like they just, I it's one of my favorite in the NHL. It must, like that must just be so much fun to be in the stands to watch those games. 
Um, Boston 2-1, Mini 2-1, Kings 2-1. I mean, out of those series, Tyson, which gets how, how do you see those three playing out in game four here? I got Edmonton coming back. I mean, you kind of have to, right? Like, this is, Ooh, this is big. Know. You can't go down 3-1. Uh, you need this game. And uh, this Boston-Florida game, their series has really kind of confused me. Just on Boston as a whole. Like, I, like they, they have had dominant stretches, but you do see some chinks in the armor a little bit. And so I'm, I'm really interested to see, especially when they play whoever they play out of Toronto and Tampa in that second round. I think... It's going to be an interesting series, and I think uh, I did. I did pick Toronto to beat Boston. So, and I do like in Game Four, Dallas, Minnesota, uh, Ryan Suter to pull out the steel chair and knock out Matsuka. That, that's the only thing that series has been missing so far is is you know some some kind of weapon being thrown at somebody from the bench. There, I just I don't know how either of those whoever comes out of that one. I don't know how they survive round two. They're just kicking the crap out of each other. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. We'll see if the Sunday is going to be as good as a pretty legendary Saturday slate of playoff action. Uh, but that's going to do it for the episode here. We'll, uh, yeah, get ready for game four now. Be back at you guys to recap that one Tuesday morning. Hopefully we're talking an all tied up series heading back to Vegas in a best of three as opposed to Winnipeg being on the brink without Morrissey, without Ehlers in a absolutely critical game four coming up here. So we'll break that one down for you guys on Tuesday morning. But until then, thank you so much for stopping by and listening to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. Uh, my co-host there from CJOB Espanol, Tyson Rewicki. <laughs> I know I went Italian instead of Spanish. I couldn't, I was, my brain just totally blanked. I was trying to think of something clever, but I just went like, yeah, grazie, Tyson is Spanish. Uh, <laughs> but we'll be back at it for you guys Tuesday morning, breaking down game four between the Jets and Golden Knights. Until then, enjoy your Sundays and Mondays. Have a great time, everybody. We'll talk soon. Until then, peace.